Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is live, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving Iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving Iron time and time again. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Market Rundown with Sean Hackett. Sean, how are you doing today? Pretty good, Miss Casey. Pretty good. I hear you're uh, quite a bit of ways overseas today. Yeah, yeah, I am uh, over in Ukraine, so I've got a little bit of, uh, had to be a little creative on getting connections set up here, but uh internet's not the not the greatest but i think we got it figured out here on on this uh on this one here so i've been out of the country like i said since uh sunday so i've been trying to keep up on as much news as i can and you know it looks like um you and i were talking before we started recording and basically you're kind of laying it out there that the market was uh kind of hesitant to uh to really make any big moves here yet because we have such a long growing season to go that uh even with all the news that's out there that supports higher prices, there's still a bit of uh, cautiousness to the to the traders out there. Well, there is. I mean, there's always been a history that the market overplays weather and the crop always turns out better or tends to turn out better than the market originally believes. And so that tendency this early in the growing season gives a lot of pause that despite hearing about 10, 15, 20 million acres of non-planted corn, you know, yield 20 bushel per acre below trend. You know, the market wants to see more verification that those um, forecasts or those dire numbers are, are, are going to take place. And while uh, it's this early in the season and we have plenty of corn supply from last year's crop lying around domestically, and we have a record being harvested as we speak, on top of winter wheat harvest coming in where a lot of low quality wheat can be uh, competing for being against market is content right now to uh, buy some time, wait a little, let things develop, see how the weather plays out further, it does look like we'll get some of in July, and, um, and, and, and better assess whether it's a dire forecast of, of corn production or when, or maybe somehow it's going to turn out a little bit better. So like 93, I've talked about this many times before, and we had this big run-up on uh, on, on excessive moisture into into June, with a strong setback into July and August, and then and then the verification came at the crop and then we made the big move uh, to new highs by uh, you know by the fourth quarter, and so we may be tracing out that similar pattern that the market plays out when it's trying to determine what the actual truth is. Yeah, yeah, and then you know some other stuff that you see popping up out there too that could have some effect on the market. I mean, I know the stock market had had a fairly positive showing of it, but, you know, where Trump and, and G are back together again, trying to trying to make each other happy and, and be uh, be best buddies. So it looks like they're going to meet for a couple days at the G20 meeting, G20 meeting next week. And um, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, I think it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf too many times here, but there's not been a, an incredible reaction on, on the commodity side of the business. Commodities are very suspect. We've been, we've been, we've been, we've been promised to build goods for so long, and they have 
expert. I think most people, at least in commodity land, are very, very um, untrusting about anything good coming from the stock markets more willing to run with it, and they ran with it yesterday. Uh, but, you know, the commodity markets are very guarded, um, you know, as, as, as we just have not been able to get any, any real traction with any of these meetings, although, although this is the first meeting between Z and Trump since uh, November. The fact that they are, are, in fact, talking is better than them not talking, but it's hard to have any, any idea of expectations of what might come from it. But uh, obviously, you know, the market should something good come from it could react. But right now, everyone is expecting, uh, um, you know, more of the same right now. So Yeah. Yeah, I don't... It's it's hard to get excited about something that uh, it was supposed to happen so many different times and never never does. So it's uh, kind of kind of a crazy thing out there. But on the flip side of that, the uh, the cattle market. You know, if you take a look, what's been going there? As price of corn goes up, there's an adverse effect on feeders and so on and so forth. So the cattle market's been bouncing around there with a little bit of volatility. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, when the corn market is in a leather market. Serious weather market, and it's rallying day after day after day. You know, the fear of herd liquidation comes into play uh, at a time when we're already producing a lot of beef. Um, our exports for beef have been okay, but we haven't really seen yet the, the strong exports that we would be needing to see from Africa swine fever to overcome that. Um, you know, so the, then when the, when the coin market corrects, like it you know, has uh, at times uh, periodically, the, the, you get a big bounce in the cattle market. So it's it's really a volatile, what I call a volatile bottom right now, and, and, I, and I think that the cattle market will continue to bounce around with grains until there's some clarity about exactly what is the true situation with the corn crop later this summer, and you know, when is Africa swine to today really going to hit the shores of the U.S.? Can it happen without a trade deal? Um, and if it can, how long is it going to take to see it? And, and these are all you know, things that the market... Uh, does it, isn't sure about, but is looking for as a, as a trigger. And we can say the same thing about hogs. I mean, the hog market's not seeing the exports it needs to see from African swine fever to keep the market elevated like it was when we were producing you know, record amounts of domestic pork supplies. And, uh, and then, of course, across the border of Mexico, you know, we've been fighting with them now for over a year. Um, it just recently, you know, almost escalated the tariff war again, and, and they have not been buying they uh, have in the past, and, and the question is, is that a permanent flat from them, or, or you know, can a, uh, a softening of tensions give, give them, get them back into the hog market? And for now, until we see tangible evidence that that's the case, the hog market is going to remain under pressure due to domestic supply-demand imbalance right now. Yeah. <clears throat> yep, a lot of stuff there. Just, it's the, the trade thing is, is a bigger deal than what I think people even could ever possibly imagine. Um, it's whether it's with China or with Mexico, both of those countries are such a, a, a such a dominant um, trade partners of ours agriculturally that the the effect is just it's been overwhelming I think and and we're hopefully we're kind of at the tail end of this stuff especially with Mexico hope we're we, you know we're not going to move forward with the with the tariff thing there so hopefully that'll start kind of correcting itself and we can move back into being uh, good trade partners again with with Mexico. That would certainly help. I mean, they're a big buyer of pork. They're a big buyer of corn. You know, they're you know, they, they getting them back on board to buying again. You know, big buyer of dairy. Dairy. You know, that would really, really be helpful. You know, that to me, I think actually, you know, has a pretty good chance of happening. China, I have no idea. They have yeah. no idea. So, yeah, that's a that's that's a crazy one there. 
All right, so one more thing yeah. before we head out here. Cotton has got to have some stress on it right now, um, especially with the dryness in the southeast and, um, you know, some dryness down in Texas. So uh, what's your, what's your, when you look at the cotton market, you know, we've talked about it a couple times where there's, there's some uh, kind of lingering re world recession kind of out there, and, and it's, it's kind of making the, the, the cotton market contract. But in key growing areas of cotton, it's pretty dry right now. So you see cotton have a chance to really take off and, and maybe get back up into the 70s? Well, yeah, I mean, the long-term, the longer-term picture for cotton is not good because we have we have a pretty consistent slowing of the global economy, and obviously buying clothes item for the most part, um, you know, you can pull back on that spending very easily, at least for a little while, uh, without having to buy. So, so longer term, that's going to be a bearish issue. But short term, uh, the two dominant, you know, producers and exporters of cotton, which is India. And the U.S. are experiencing some very hot, dry conditions in key areas. Obviously, the U.S. we've had the Southeast uh, had a lot of hot and dry, little little respite, but we're back to hot and dry. And now Texas seems to be you know, getting um, you know drying up here quite a bit. But over in India, you know their monsoon season starts in June, it ends in September. But the key month for uh, for crops, especially for cotton, is to get good monsoonal rains in the month of July. And so far. In the month, we're well behind in Gujarat, which is the key territory that produces cotton in India, and it looks like that we're going to be moving into July, and that pattern's going to continue. And if that happens, then we start worrying about significant reductions in uh, India production, um, and potentially them having um, to pull back from the export market some. Coupled with the U.S. weather, I think we could get a pretty nice summertime weather rally bounce from the mid-60s into maybe the low to mid 70s before the market would then start rolling over again as we you know, move towards harvest and we get typical harvest pressure. So I do think there's a really, really good opportunity or a good chance for a, a pretty good weather bounce here that producers would be able to sell into and, and, and lock in a price that works for them. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, there's some, that, I think that's one positive thing out there on that on that market. But still, like you said, you, you think it's a fairly short-term, a short-term kind of a bounce we're going to see, or do you think it's maybe... Something that could last uh, a year or so. But I, I, the weather situation for cotton, because of the, of the slowing demand that I see, I think it's just a short-term pop, Casey. I don't <laughs> think that, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, it depends how bad is bad, but I mean, if we're just dealing with a kind of a more normal, you know, drought and it pulls some less availability, you know, I think that's going to be more than offset by reduced demand going forward. And so overall, you know, there's, going to, there's not going to be a shortage of, of cotton. I mean, obviously, you know, if the whole month of July is bone dry in in, uh, in India and the crops down, you know, substantially, I mean, that, that could change. But right now, based upon what I'm seeing, you know, I would I would think that we're going to have crops that are going to come up short of expectations, but not short enough to offset weaker demand, you know, going forward. Right on. All right, Sean. Well, great talking to you, man. Thanks for your input. And, uh, we will talk to you again next week, man. Sounds good, Mr. Casey. Be safe, safe travels, and uh, I really appreciate the time. Thanks. No, thanks, bud. Take care. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast, now part of the Global Ag Network. If you'd like to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at Moving Iron Podcast.com. 
You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel and watch Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger, Sean Hackett, and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax Moves with Glenn Birnbaum. Please visit movingironllc.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and globalagnetwork.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Move.